I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast. In this podcast, we speak with producers, DJs, audio engineers, and industry figureheads about their fantasy forever studio. This will be a studio built within the confines of our semi-strict rules, and one that they will have to live with forever. But what are these rules? Well, our guest has selects a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface first. Then they can only choose six other bits of studio kit plus one luxury item. But Chris, what if they think they found a loophole in our system and they are trying to get a bundle, say, a bundle, a bundle of plugins? No, 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 no bundle! No bundle! Joining us today is BT, a Grammy nominated musician, DJ, singer, songwriter, composer, and audio engineer. That's right, BT's passion for music and technology has also led to him founding Sonic Architects and developing the Stutter Edit plugin, Break Tweaker plugin and Spitfire's Phobos synth. With his new album, The Lost Art of Longing, we're ready to discover even more as we help him build his forever studio. Let's get to it. This is My Forever Studio with BT. BT, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. No worries. So you heard the rules there. I mean, I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, but you know, it's a it's a it's a little strict set of rules for building your dream studio. It was jarring. I have to admit the. Uh, I mean, when when we got to know bundles and then there were air horns, I had a little bit of a freak out. <laughs> I think I may have spit out a bit of my coffee. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly what we were after. So that's the vibe. <laughs> okay, it worked. Um, I love it. What a cool concept. So it's kind of like, if I have this right, it's sort of like dream. Uh, well, not dream studio. It's your it's your island studio, right? Is that kind of what we're? That's exactly okay. what we do. That's the yeah. deal. So we've got some rules, and we'll, we'll we'll guide you through it. Um, I mean, first of all, tell us where you are right now. I mean, are you, are you at home? Are you at studio? Where are you now? So I'm on the east coast of America, and um, I'm about uh, an hour uh, by plane from New York. So we're out in the country, and uh, a good analogy for my English friends is, uh, think Cornwall. That's the sort of place that we're in. It's a very, uh, very sort of beautiful countryside. And of course, you know, right now we're really happy that we're out here because it's nice. We can walk around and stuff. So, um, so, and uh, yeah, I'm at, um, I'm at the studio. I'm currently in the kitchen, as I told you guys off air, because it's raining here and our internet is a, an actual antenna, 150 foot up in a tree. So um, we were struck by lightning last last week. Uh, by the way, I didn't tell you what what happened when we were struck by lightning. So I'm in the middle of uh, scoring a, a video game actually right now, and um, I can't say which one, but it's a really really big game, really exciting project as well too. And um, Go on, tell us. So I can't yet. So Give some initials. So um, <laughs> come on. So uh, you, you'll you'll definitely hear about this. It's a three year project. So it's it's one of those like. You know, it's kind of like animation video games. They they last for a long time. Big orchestral thing. We're gonna allegedly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of lockdown willing. We'll be recording um, in uh, Prague and in uh, Nashville a orchestra this this fall. So, um, but at any rate, wow. I have a half hour due right. So it's a three hour score, and I have of of course thirty minutes due. And uh, the studio, quite literally, about twenty foot from our front door, was struck by lightning last week. And in one lightning strike, it killed a Lynx Aurora N, uh, my dangerous music monitor bridge, and completely blew up, like actually physically exploded the internet router. So thankfully, none of my synths were on. Oh, it blew up a UPC as well, too. So none of my synths were on at the time, thankfully. So um, it was really uh, dicey, but it, it happens you know, being out in the country of these bad summer thunderstorms. So um, Lynx guys are so great. They they FedExed us a new one. So thankful for them. And then we had to buy actually a new monitor bridge, which was a nightmare. So, but um, anyway, I got my 30 minutes of music in. So there you go. So, I mean, this leads us straight into the first part of the podcast, which is where we talk about where you would where, we, where you would build your fantasy forever studio. I mean, w- would you still choose a similar location? I mean, you've obviously chosen there for a reason. Um, or, or if you could put it anywhere in the world, where would it be? Somewhere with fewer thunderstorms, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? If we're going to do like fantasy studio thing, I'm going to go, uh, um, well, this is kind of a yank expression, whole hog. I don't know what the equivalent English expression would be. All in, whole hog. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All in. Okay. So... Um, the most beautiful place I have ever been in my entire life, ever bar anywhere, and this is you know years of traveling, setting foot on probably every continent that there is, with the exception weirdly of Africa. I've never been to Africa, so um, 
So, and I'd love to go. Uh, so I am going to pick where I would build my dream studio would be in the Maldives. Uh, and it gets even more specific than that. Our whole family is divers. So it's like one of my favorite things in the world. I'm more comfortable with sharks under a hundred feet of water than I am with most people. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we're divers. We love being underwater in the Maldives. When we were there, they have built actual rooms under the water. So you have to walk downstairs and of course it's all sealed off and stuff. And then they built these glass rooms under the water. And there's actually, they built like a small club in one of these rooms and we didn't actually see that one, what? but yeah, that, and we, I'm sure we can find this. The internet finds everything. So that's where I'd build my studios underwater in the Maldives. If we're going all the way, that's my dream studio. Yeah. We, we're loving this. We're loving there this. There you go. Wow. That is whole hog. Yeah. <laughs> Will can probably demo it for you, but we have we have a little jingle. Um, upsell your dreams. Because usually we have to upsell people's dreams because they hold back, and you, uh, this not hold, holding back is going to be brilliant. So. Yeah. Full yank. I'm going whole hog. We're doing this. Maldives underwater. Yeah. Go. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Moving on from that amazing location, we've got to start filling it up with some stuff. Now, you get a few items for free um, before we, we, okay. go, we go to your limited six choices. So, um, you know, first, obviously, you're going to need a computer of some sort. Um, I mean, it's an e easy question sure. usually, but Mac, Mac or PC for, for your computer and why? All right, gosh, you guys already were stumped because um, I use both kind of in equal measure. I'm a, I'm a bit compute. I'm a bit computer agnostic. Oh. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay, and here I'll tell you the why too. This will be interesting for some listeners. Is um, I'm also a bit DAW agnostic. I use three DAWs regularly, <laughs> but um, I compose in Cubase. So anything that is um, orchestral in nature. I do all my orchestral mockups in Cubase because it works so well with VE Pro, which I run on a satellite rig, which is a completely separate uh, computer. And I do audio over IP to connect the two machines. I've got, you know, close to a 4,000 uh, contact instrument autoload. It's like mice and clavier. And I've been working on it for years and stuff. And I can literally, with a single button, render out, you know, 48 stem wide orchestral electronic master Whoa. it's incredible setup so it's a hard question but what i'm gonna what i'm gonna say wow. my answer for computer is gonna be a brand new mac a mac uh because this is actually what i'm getting mm -hmm. i've been waiting to <laughs> until they did something clever like rack mounted so i'm gonna go with a brand new um mac pro rack mounted because of course you can run windows on it and they're so powerful i mean you can put a terabyte and a half of of RAM in it. My PC right now has a half a terabyte of RAM and it's completely full for my auto load. <laughs> packed. I'm serious too. It's packed. Wow. Um, so um, I'm going to go with a brand new Mac Pro with a terabyte and a half of RAM, you know, 40, uh, I, I think you can fit a, close to uh, 50 terabytes of hard drive of SSDs in that thing. I just want it packed. Why so that, that's going to be my computer. So a new Mac Pro packed in the Maldives underwater. This is amazing. I want to do this interview every day. Okay. This is great already. <laughs> You're saying that, but as just judging by what you just said about running multiple doors and all of this, I think you're going to start struggling once we start condensing the rules down. But okay, so we I can I can do it. I can do it. The next thing, then, uh, you're going to have to choose uh, one of these uh, DAWs. Okay, that's no. It is hard. You can have multiple DAWs, but the but the other DAWs will come out of your six items so this is a free item a daw for free so okay well let's can you commit to one i can i can it's a bit like therapy meets your dream studio it's kind of like a mixture of things isn't it it's a marie condoing yeah exactly yeah marie condoing that's very good <laughs> which door sparks joy which door is the one that sparks the most joy <laughs> <laughs> okay so my oldest DAW, okay, and we're talking quite literally uh, goes back to Atari days, okay, is, is Logic Audio. Now, it used to be called Notator when it was on the Atari. So I've been working with Logic Audio since the Notator days. And in fact, it was the second sequencer ever I used. I used Voyager Sequencer Plus Gold on an IBM uh, 
5150 and eventually a PS2 model P70 when I was a teenager. So those are my original sequencers. I still actually use them to this day. Um, they're incredible. I have such insane muscle memory on them. I've done this on Instagram where I can, I'll operate um, Voyetra with my eyes shut and the, just the keys, no mouse input whatsoever. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So, um, so I'm going to go with Logic because it's my oldest and most familiar DAW, although it's going to be very sad not having access to live and Cubase because I use all three of them daily, but I'm going to pick Logic because I'm sticking to the rules. Okay, well, you can you can have live and Logic later on, but you know, you'll know you lose other items as part of it. So, and then the next one then, the next free one is the audio interface. What are you going for? That's super easy. So um, I'll just tell a little anecdotal story when... We were when we were doing the my studio build here. Um, I, I've never had a sound treated room ever in my life. I've always worked in attics or you know quite literally closets, basements, and um, under the ocean. Under the ocean, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be hard. We are you know how are we going to uh, sound treat this room? Have we thought about this glass? Like you know, uh, yeah. have you? I don't we know, can, you guys. We, it's we still a bit sketch. Cool. We're going to have to talk about yeah. that. Um, so. Uh, but here's the deal. When when we were doing the build in this room, uh, we had put in my first pair of Sofit-mounted speakers. Uh, they're British. You would be happy to know. Completely bespoke handmade speakers, um, ATCs. And um, I'd never had anything like that. Never had a sound-treated room. And we actually had three audio interfaces in at once. Nice. And we could switch between the audio interfaces and listen to them on these, what are to my, to my ears, the greatest speakers in the world. And, and uh, just to drill down on that a little bit, the first time I heard a soffit mounted pair of ATCs, I was listening to a song of mine from a record that had been nominated from a Grammy and I immediately heard errors. Immediately. We're talking about like a finished, mastered, released, Grammy nominated record. I immediately heard errors listening on these speakers. So they're it, like glaring errors too. Like, wow, there's a huge node at you know 650 hertz. that would definitely make me not want to buy them i'd be like oh no oh, they're un they're absolutely like the, ang the anxiety they're absolutely <laughs> unforgiving and i'll tell you what though it's up my game so much i can mix so much faster on those speakers without having to headphone reference and without having to go you know um uh, print a usb key listen in the car so anyway, my loquacious story here is we had three audio interfaces in that room and we could switch between them. And the other two are the best audio interfaces there are. I wanted to try out all these ones that everybody talks about. So I'm not going to mention the names, what? but they're the other two. <laughs> Cliffhanger. The results. We want the results. <laughs> it's really easy. Like it's the three best audio interfaces. Okay. So okay. you you know okay. what they are, okay. right? Um, one of them is an animal, okay? And the other one is like a <laughs> <Yeah>. drummer. <laughs> you, you know what these are, okay? So um, so I, I was able to listen to all three of these at once. And the Lynx Aurora audio interfaces have so much more sheen and presence and clarity in uh, everything above seven kilohertz is ridiculous. The bass is so much more focused this is the audio interface. This is not like clocked or anything like that, you know, with all these fancy clocks, people using stuff. Um, the stereo imaging is so much wider that it sounds literally like it's going beyond the range yeah. of where the speakers are. Um, the Lynx Aurora yeah. ends are hands down to my ears, right? So it's my subjective opinion. The best audio interfaces I have ever heard in my entire life by like a country mile. They're insane. So I, I won't use other audio interfaces after finding these things. And the crazy thing is, too, I'd never heard of these guys, um, you know, the company Lynx. I'd never heard of an Aurora. And I just wanted to try the three best audio interface. I'd used a different audio interface for years, a very well-known one. And um, these just absolutely just decimate them. I'm serious, too. It's insane, the difference. So I'm interested here, this, like... Do you find that the the imaging translates to other systems? Because you're saying that it sounds super wide. What a great question. Yes, absolutely. I absolutely do. So huh. there's some kind of, I don't know, weird phase cancellation thing that is happening on some of these audio interfaces. And also, too, hmm. 
most of the audio interfaces, even the ones under those three, like your kind of RMEs and and the you know UADs and these ones, they're so hyped sounding. Um, compared to when I say hyped, I mean literal hype curve. So like a huge bump around two hundred pushed up, and you look at the charts and they don't reflect that. But when you hear it against a flat audio interface, the imaging and the kind of the uh, sort of evenness of the spectrum is just it's jarring it's actually jarring it's undeniable when you hear it in a treated room on a nice pair of speakers and you're able mm. to ab back and forth you're like surely that we plugged this in wrong like that can't sound that different and um i could pick them out blindfolded i really could too they're they're that good so oh we're gonna have to put that to the test bt I've hey you know what I t- I'll tell you what I've been tested on my friend this is kind of like a fun one for my friends because I'm always just on and on about how you know blah blah through hole sense and sur- uh what do you call it um you know surface mounted chips sound terrible and uh it's terrible compared to soft sense so my friends try to stump me <laughs> oh. all the time I can pick out a vintage subtractive analog synthesizer a hundred times out of a hundred raw recording play me a saw wave i can tell you if i'm serious i can tell you if it's a vintage soft synth wow <laughs> yeah so i'm that weirdo that's like an ultra nerd version of perfect pitch isn't it for like the new generation it's like the futuristic version of it. <laughs> he's so it's deep like, into it i have no idea what the note is i have no idea what the note is but i can tell you the exact model and serial number of that synthesizer <laughs> that's a good skill i like that's it it's amazing <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, it is kind of a crap superpower, I suppose. But it's... no, in our in our world, it's yeah. like it's great superpower. I love it. <laughs> We're now on to our first of your six items. So we've got all of the freebies out of the way. What's your first from the six BT? Do you prefer BT or something else? Yeah, BT's great. Yeah, okay. my mom even calls me BT. It's like long-standing nickname. I know it's weird for you guys because it's like symbolizes phones and stuff. In fact, <laughs> we regularly get things on Twitter. Uh, th- this is the funniest one. Forget about Twitter. Like we regularly get, you know, my mom is in um, Farnham and her line is out. How could you ever do this? My mom is a pensioner. Like these crazy Twitter messages. Um <laughs> But sometimes, these are way better, sometimes we'll post something on Facebook and it will clearly be, it will be like a music video, okay? So it's clearly nothing to do with British Telecom whatsoever. Like there's a music video, there's people singing and playing instruments. And then three quarters of the way down the thread, somebody starts in about, you know, they're, they're drilling in a phone box around the corner for me. And you're like, did you even look at any of this? What's happening here? This is just ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, no, you're welcome oh, to call no. me either. But yeah, BT's longstanding nickname since I was a kid. So, okay, so um, diving in to the next thing, I'm assuming that you're going to dock me here for software. Am I right? Like, I'm oh, only yeah. going to get, like, software counts as an item. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say, though, don't forget, you, you don't have any headphones or speakers as well. That's why it's six and not five, because, you know. Oh, this is brutal, Well, you unless, unless you've got a gift of being able to hear the music that you just just from seeing it. <laughs> okay. That would be a good gift Well, as well. We're, seeing, seeing the wave. Synesthetic, <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to jump to speakers then. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with a pair, and I actually don't have these speakers. I have the huge ATC speakers. I'm going to go with a pair of ATC Nearfields. So that that's yeah. what that's what I'm gonna pick. I use BX5s for my near fields, which everyone laughs at. Um, they're kind of my NS10s, but I would if I if you had to, you know, if I'm beholden to one speaker, I would pick an ATC speaker. And even though it's not one I have, and the only reason I wouldn't pick mine is because I couldn't monitor on you know, these huge speakers all the time, because you do have to listen at a decent volume and ear fatigue Plus, and all that. it would be very cruel for all the fish as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, um, so <laughs> I'd pick uh, I'd pick ATC, probably ATC midfields, if if I was going to pick one speaker. So... Um, do you have a specific model in mind? Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to look it up. I, I They're the ones that are, they sit vertically so they have kind of two diaphragms i could find it um oh the um scm 25a something like that that's the ones the next thing i'm going to go to is going to surprise you guys and i'll i'll kind of preface it with why it's so significant 
to me is because um, uh, some people listening to this will know that uh, I'm an audio developer as well. So I do a lot of my prototyping in this environment, and I also do a lot of sound design in this environment. So something I can't live without in a studio is C-Sound. Right, okay. So I studied uh, C-Sound under a gentleman named Dr. Richard Boulanger. C-Sound's free too, by the way, So, but I, I have to have it because I build a lot of my prototypes in there, and I also do sound design you know, for film scores and, and records in there constantly, especially a granular type operations. So I, I have to have it. And there's a couple others that are really close that I'd like to have, but I'm going to allocate one thing for like heavy lifting sound design. It's going to be C sound. So that's going to be my next item. Okay. And for those people, for those people who maybe don't know what C sound is, mm-hmm. what, what is it? So C sound is a language for building um, and anything from synthesis to digital signal processing algorithms. It's a text-based language and you have a you you basically can code an instrument. You can code a uh, a reverb or a delay or a granular operation, and then you have something uh, that's called your orchestra. And then you have also a score, and the score is how that thing works. So what's so remarkable about C Sound is not only do you build the instrument, but you can send ten thousand parameters to the instrument at once. So imagine having infinity amounts of lines of uh, DAW automation. Uh, now it does these things, a lot of these sort of operations it does offline, the really heavy ones, like some of my favorite opcodes. And what an opcode is, is it's a basically a digital signal processing algorithm. So there's one called Sound Warp, uh, and it's abbreviated SNDWRP. So Anybody that literally three people just freaked out and punched their computer. They're so excited. The three C sound users that, that, that will listen to this. So is it kind of like, um, kind of like something like reactor, but uh, sort of deeper than reactor. So reactor is the friendly face of that kind of idea. Is it? Yeah. So reactor, I would compare it to max, right. And I use max a lot too. And, ah, and max okay. is an object oriented language. So you patch things together with pretty mm. cables. This is not that it's all text. Okay. It's a hundred percent text. And so over the last 20 years, I've built up all kinds of uh, you know, these these massive, massive scripts of code, and I can open them and repurpose them by throwing a new sound file through it. So I call a new sound file. And um, I've prototyped just about every application I've ever designed from Stutter Edit to Phobos to you name it. And now what's so wonderful about having used C-Sound so long is do I sit down and code in C-Sound anymore? Every now and again, I do when I'm prototyping something, but I built up such a massive repository of working orchestras and scores that I can pull them up, change some parameters, you know, put a new audio file in it and repurpose it. And it's this incredible thing because I already spent eight hours on it some, you know, years and years ago. So that takes us to item number three. All right, we're going straight for a subtractive analog synthesizer. This is a hard one, okay? Because I love I love synthesizers, right? Like love, love synthesizers. Like aesthetically, I love the sound of them. Um, I love the feeling of them, a kind of tactile thing about them. And whenever, you know, uh, I hear someone say, oh, you know, we can make these sounds in, in soft sense. I just, it's, uh, I have a kind of mini sort of internal bordering on epileptic freak out because, um, <laughs> Although that may be true that we're getting close to some of these sounds, the experience of using these instruments is so different and it makes different music. Absolutely. There's no question being able to put put your hands on them. To be clear, this is you are a person who can tell the difference between a surface mount and through hole component uh in in a synthesizer. So quite literally a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. I'm not joking either. It's like a weird, we were talking about this before. It's like a, probably a pathetic superpower, but it is nonetheless like, yeah, it's a, a thing that I'm, I'm, and it's crazy too. You know, part of it is in these old synths. I do a lot of talking with a bunch of synth nerd friends about this, like what happened in this golden age of synthesis to make these instruments sound so remarkable. Right. And, and, um, 
there's a guy, a Scottish guy called Ken Macbeth. That guy is the only, okay, and I'm going to say only, like I'm going to use an absolute here. He's the only person now making synths that sound vintage to my ears. Like th- his could trick me. And guess what? They're through hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're hand soldered. They're, they're through hole synths. So there's this thing to be said about, um, and don't get me wrong, like I love some of the Behringer stuff. I got a little four track set up where I've got a Behringer 808 and, you know, uh, the SH1 and, and those things. And they sound very good, but there's a magic that happens in these old subtractive synths that is unparalleled to this day. Part of it, here, here's the, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. Part of it is the thermal signature of these instruments. They run freaking hot and it actually affects the support circuitry. So that's a yeah. big part of why these sounds sound so warm and warbly and organic. And they're, they're moody too. These soft synths, like I'll sometimes turn yeah. on my ARP 26 uh, soft synths, hardware synths. I'll sometimes turn on my ARP 2600 and it will be in, in, in a crap mood, quite literally. And you'll go to it the next day yeah. and it's like just <laughs> yeah, singing, yeah. you know, it's incredible. They're, they're different than, uh, you know, uh, other instruments. So at any rate, if I had to pick one and it's really hard to do because yes. um, there's so many that I love so much and I use kind of daily, I'm going to pick the Jupiter 8. And specifically, I'm going to pick a Rev 2, which is a 12-bit Jupiter 8 because the companding in them makes them sound a bit different. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pick a Rev 2 Jupiter 8 is probably the most versatile and elegant sounding instrument, uh, a subtractive analog synthesizer I've ever touched. So that's my pick. Nice. Item number four next. Um, what about things like, I mean, we, we're not pushing you down any road. It's no, your please. Studio, but yeah. no microphones yet? I am going to pick a mic. Yeah, I have to because... We're going to need to record vocals and we're going to need to record instruments. So I'm going to pick something really versatile. I'm going to pick a blue Robbie with interchangeable heads. Can that oh. count as one mic? Do, do, does the microphone come with all the heads? It does. Or do you buy the heads separately? Yeah, it no, does. it does. Yeah, it is does. Is a bundle, Will? It feels like it might, might. Oh. Is it a bundle? Oh, I think it oh. might be a bundle. It does feel a lot like a. <laughs> no bundles. Oh no bundles. Oh, that's terrible, you guys. I'm still going to pick it. Even even if I can't have all the heads for it, it's it's such a versatile microphone with the head that it ships with. Um it's uh it's great for recording acoustic small instruments, uh recording acoustic guitar and then it's brilliant on vocals both men and women. So it's not one of those that is like, you know, really kind of gender specific like a uh, 67 is such a, you know, something like that. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with that. I, I love those microphones. It's one of my favorite mics. So there you go. There's another thing. Is this the the big uh, tube condenser? The yeah. Sort of Four thousand dollar job where it's yep. got the interchangeable. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very yeah. nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a brilliant, brilliant sounding mic. If you can only pick one head to have with it, what what pattern are you going with? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the one that it ships with because it's the one that I leave on there most. It's um. It's uh, unidirectional, I believe, um, but it's the characteristics of the capsule that make the sound of it. So I can't remember the name of the one that it ships with, but it's the one that I frequently like. I have one that, um, and I know them by color, so that's not going to help much because they have little color rings mm-hmm. on them. But um, there's one that I frequently use for backgrounds, and one that I use sometimes for acoustic guitar and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. That's such a fantastic microphone. So that's that's my pick. I there. believe it's the uh, the B6, the large diaphragm that's it. dual back plate. Yep, that's it. Yep. You got it. Yeah, that is for a modern it. present vocal sound. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's a great mic. Cool. That was item number four. So we have two left. Oh. Two studio items left. Two on the studio items left. Okay. So. Now, are you guys going to ding me? Like, is are something is something modular going to be a bundle? Like, is that a bundle? Like, I could never say some Euro rack stuff, could I? That would be just like, I would explode. I think it's a, it's a hiding to nothing. That one Euro rack. That's you could have one power supply and then a module. <laughs> that's a harsh. <laughs> Will locks down the law. My you've got God. You've got two pieces left. Okay. You can have a module and a power supply. I got it. All right. I, I got it. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick something that's semi-modular because that's a nice compromise and something yeah. that's vintage. So 
Um, I know my last two pieces. I'll start with the semi-modular piece first. So I'm going to pick a vintage ARP 2600. Um, Yeah. And the reason why is you can get pretty crazy on it. As you guys know, um, the ARP 2600 is not just adept as a synthesizer, but um, guys like Flood and Daniel Miller have notoriously used it. I've used it a million times this way as well, inspired by those guys as a signal path. So, yep. I mean, using mm. using the ring modulator in it and the spring reverbs in it and the filters in it kind of patching into it, it's one of the most vibey sounding boxes. I mean, there there is period. Does 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 the 2600 have uh, pitch um CV to pitch like like on the MS20s? It so you, it does. Yeah. It does. And it's but it's BFI actually. And there's oh my god, I want to tell you guys something so bad right now. How can I tell this story and not get into trouble? Because I actually made uh, this isn't like an even an NDA thing. I made like an actual promise, like a like a like almost like a blood pact sort of promise. Okay, so <laughs> I'm okay, so one of my favorite sound design living sound designers that designed some of the most incredible sounds for films since we were kids and before um is it has used that instrument famously um it related to a way that we're talking about to design the sounds of uh, r2d2 and mm-hmm. i actually got to watch him using it and and do it and he said it's amazing so we were at the skywalker ranch and his name's ben burtz i can say that He's um a, a absolute superhero to me. Legend. Like it doesn't yeah. even. I mean, like the foot stomps in Jurassic Park. I mean, come on, and laser sounds in Star Wars. Oh, inventing the lightsaber sound. I mean, unreal. Yeah. The lightsaber, exactly. The guy's a total hero. Yeah, yeah. absolute super genius. I, I have such a cool story about Ben too. I'll tell it sort of after this one. So Ben um brought me up into his room. He, he came down into our room and he was listening to the project I was working on at the time, which was Electronic Opus. And he was like, you know, he, he's, he's getting up there now. And, but man, this guy, he like gets around, he's inspired, like he's out in the hallways, you know, setting up microphones to, at work every single day. And um, he was wandering around during lunch and came into our room downstairs where we we're doing some orchestral overdubs. And he was listening to the music um, as I was mixing with an amazing mix engineer, um, uh, Leslie Ann Jones. And um, he said, what are all these crazy, how are you doing these sort of like micro edits? And I said, oh, it's a, a plugin that I actually made called Stutter Edit. And he was like, can, is it out? Like, can I get a copy of this? So I'm kind of telling my other story first. So um, cut to... Um, you know, uh, left and went home. We connected uh, the Isotope folks with him and got him a car- a copy. And then the next Star Wars, the asteroid flybys are all stutter edits. Oh, wow. and so that was like probably, oh. yeah, that probably is. That's kind of like my Oscar, <laughs> literally. Like my thirteen year old, I like don't know what to do with myself. So that cool. he used a plugin that I made. It's just too much. <laughs> Um, anyway, back to this other story I was telling you about Ben, he invited me up to his room and he said, um, you know, I kept, I was like, and then how did you make the sound in aliens where blah, blah. And how did you do this thing in, you know, Star Wars where blah, blah. And he was telling me absolutely everything. And of course I vowed not to share these secrets. And he's talked about some of these things publicly, but he was showing me how he made the sound of R2D2, like actually physically doing the sound with me three feet away from him. And then he looked at me and he said, he looked me dead in the eyes and he goes, you understand what I'm doing here, don't you? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, don't, he's like, this is a secret. Like you can't tell people it. And so I was like, okay. And so I'm not, I haven't, but I'm telling you the story. But we know it's on an ARP 2600 and it's something to do with the pitch CV tracking, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's all public knowledge. All that's public knowledge. So, um, so uh and he's talked about those things so um yeah the arp 2600 is just as both a a kind of you know a processor and as a synth i mean the freaking bass on um here's the thing about the arp 2600 people think of it as like you know leads and kind of plucky type sounds that thing for bass it's the bass on borderline right by madonna 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that thing is like appeared on some really yeah. famous tracks in holding down the, the, the bass. So um, it's just an amazing, amazing synthesizer. It's obviously all over everything from, you know, smashing pumpkins as a ring modulator through all the Depeche records. You know, Vince Clark used it to double up the KR-55B on all the early Depeche speaking spells. I mean, it's for mono synths, you kind of, it's it, you know. So I'm going to pick that because it's semi-modular um, and it's one of my favorite synths ever. So nice. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's killer. Yeah. So... Now it gets tough. Yeah. Before we get to the last one, I kind of want to know what was what was going through your mind when you said Euro Rack. You can't have it, but I just I'm just intrigued to know what you could have won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing about the Euro Rack. It's a wormhole. I mean, like if we if we went down that path, we'd be talking about it for ages. But I'll just say this that what really I think is exciting about the Euro Rack is different to everything else that is in in my studio or anything else that I use. Like I've got a bunch of more vintage modular things. Like I mentioned the 2600, you know, I've, I've got a, a system 100A, um, not a Hans Zimmer one, don't worry, but like a single one, right? <laughs> the Eurorack is just this mental kind of Wild West mentality. And I, I remember when the shift happened, you know, from like, you know, dope Fleur and those days, and they were making like eh, kind of okay sounding oscillators and filters and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like all the circuit bending people, all the folks doing like logic circuits and wild sequencers and then DSP people jumped into that format. And then it just went mental and, you know, the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So what I love about the Eurorack is it's kind of like reactor or C sound or max just threw up into a physical location it's like <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly that's exactly it, right yeah, yeah it's exactly and you can just is, yeah. you can touch all of it which is so different to working with a mouse and on a computer with these yeah. things and i just find myself um i don't smoke so euro rack is like my smoke break you know if i'm like boshing my head on the wall working on a score cue or something I'll go make myself a coffee and then, you know, give myself a half hour and kind of decompress at the Euro rack. And I just find myself coming up with things that I would never do anywhere else ever and that are actually useful. More more sound designing kind of things, hmm. more, you know, ambient or like, uh, you know, vaguely rhythmic things than just not sort of, you know, I have friends of mine like Richard Devine, you watch what these guys do. It's just, it's crazy. Um, but, um, you know, more things that work in a kind of ambient context, but but that are really intricate and interesting and beautiful. And so I, I love that area. There you go. So I, didn't, I know I don't get it, but yeah. Here we are cruising into the final item, right? Number six. Yep, I got it. I, I, already, I already know what it's going to be. So, um, so I'm going to pick a sampler, an, a hardware sampler. And I'm a hardware huge... Hardware sampler, okay. Yes, I'm a huge sampler sampler fan and what i like about them is similar same same but different they would say entirely similar but different to what i like about uh analog synthesizers which is you're forced to think differently when you're engaging your brain by using your hands so the kind of tactile feedback that you get from these instruments is not to be and also to having limited memory and having um, you know, things sound different when you transpose them to different ranges, mm -hmm. depending on the sampler you're working on. Yeah. Um, I grew up on samplers. Uh, my first sampler was an S900. I mowed lawns for two whole years to get my S900. I still have it. I used it on all my early records on EMA and ESCM on all my remixes in the, in the nineties. And, um, I still use it today. It has such a lovely sound. It's not the sampler I'm going to pick, though. But I, I mean, I have a lot of samplers in my room. E2, Mirages, I've got an E3, um, a, a bunch of Akai stuff. Like, say you've got a project and you know what the sound of that project is in your head. Does the type of sampler you choose, does that matter at that point? Or is it or is it the way? So you, you really go like, oh, this is for drums. I'm going to use the Emu. This is for vocal chops i'm going to use the akai or whatever does it is it that specific so that's a great question and it's it's uh, it's a bit different actually my answer so with all of these instruments i've had each of them for so long it's that i've built up kind of a, a library for them of my own sounds 
And so it's more when I'm thinking of using a sampler, I'm less sampling on them if I'm being totally honest and more using sounds that I created during a specific time for that instrument, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're like time capsules, basically, are they? That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And sometimes okay. I will sample on them because it's so vibey and so much fun to do it. And it inspires a different kind of mm. thought thread. But it's a lot less about saying like something like the Mirage. I'm not going to say, I mean, it is such a pain to sample in an instrument like that or even the E2. Um, but... I know I've got these really crunchy kind of eight, you know, bit string sounds that I've made for that, that if I want that kind of sound, I'm not going to go try to recreate it in the box or with, I'm going to just boot the, I'm going to boot one of them up. I'm going to pull up those patches. I'll EQ them a bit different and stuff. And obviously it'll be different notes, but um, I'm going to use some sounds that I created for them back in the time that I was, you know, aggressively using that instrument. So, um, the instrument I'm going to pick for my last instrument is sort of the mother of all samplers. And um, it's one of those ones that as a, growing up as a kid in the 80s, I would have quite literally given an extremity to even been in a room with one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it cost what my parents' house cost when I was growing up. And um, I've always wanted one literally my whole life. There's only about 30 of them left that work. And most of the people that have them are collectors or they're in museums. So I love how you're narrowing this down yeah. as well. I love Yeah, that. So, so check it out. I can count the number of people that actually use this instrument to make music on less than one hand. <laughs> it's a real number, okay? And I, and I know these guys personally that are using them to make music on. The instrument, so I got one of these about seven years ago, and um, it arrived from Australia. That's another big hint. And it was dropped and destroyed, oh. and quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Cosmetically, all the cards were smashed. The monitor was destroyed. Oh. Uh, the keyboard was dinged. So I, with my own hands, I hand sanded and spackled the wood I um, laser color matched the paint. I took every key out and retrobrighted the keys and rebushed them. Um, I redid every capacitor in the entire machine. I installed new fans. Um, I put a CF card reader and an SD card reader in it, rebuilt the power supply. Um, the thing has been worked on completely to the metal. And then the icing on the cake to this instrument is like I mentioned, the monitor had been smashed. So on um, these hopeful machines, a couple of records ago of mine, um, a gentleman who's a, a, I'm a huge fan of, um, I was lucky enough to meet a, a number of years ago now, um, Stuart Copeland um, came and uh, played drums on that album. And Stuart's a big user of this instrument. And so when uh, I was getting to the point where I did need the monitor to continue working on it, um, I, I sent him an email and I said, um, I said, Stuart, you know, I know that you used this instrument a lot back in the day and I believe you still have some. I was like, you don't know of a monitor for, you know, cause they're those crazy green monochrome monitors. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and I didn't hear back from him, which is not like him. I assume he was in the middle of a project or something. And then like two weeks later, a box turned up at my house and I opened it and it was, uh, absolutely mint condition, um, green monochrome Fairlight monitor. So my choice is a Fairlight. I've kind of you probably known it for the last five minutes. Yes. Um, and specifically a Series <laughs> Three. This instrument, when you, it's everything I thought it was going to be times a thousand. The like the sound of it. So you think why? How can a sampler, you know, reproduce a sound and it's got more vibe than that sound had to begin with? I can promise you, you can mm. sample a string sound, a vocal sound. Uh, profit five saw wave it does not matter what you put in this thing and part of it is that every single card there's no word clock in the machine so the cards are all running slightly out of sync no matter how well calibrated it is the filters are all slightly off mm. it has anti-aliasing filters and curtis filter chips on every voice um but you want to talk about th through whole circuitry the thing is like a freaking car every card is <laughs> yes we okay. do. you do every i do every <laughs> card is like it's like a channel in an in an old vintage neve yeah board. yeah yeah it's freaking beautiful the sound of this instrument 
when you play a chord on it for the first time, I don't care what patch you choose, you won't believe it. You, you actually, you won't believe it. It just melt your brain. How vibey this thing sounds. I knew it was going to be incredible, but I had no idea the magnitude yeah. of incredible it is going to be. That's all of your studio kit. Now we have one last thing for the studio, okay. which is your luxury item. Now this isn't gear related, but maybe there's something throughout your whole career that you've always had in the studio or something that you wish you'd have had that you now have that's kind of like your luxury go-to thing. Um, so yeah, t- tell us tell us what your luxury item might be in your in your forever oh studio. Oh my god, I'm s- I'm so stoked. This is like a free unicorn. I, I I didn't know this one was coming. So okay, so it's easy though because we have no effects, right? So we've got effects in the box, whatever. Well, no, but no, but this isn't studio kit. We're we're looking for maybe. Maybe oh. you've got no. Maybe ah, <laughs> uh, you know, you're gonna have to code all your own effects in C sound, oh, but that's okay. No. Okay, so this is like, what are we talking about? Like, this is like, a... I don't know. We've had people. We've had people have like, you know, um, a wine cellar. We've had people have pieces of art, a, p- a, p- a picture that means a lot to them that they've always had in their studio, or hmm. you know, v- various things like that. It's basically something non-studio, non-nerd related. Uh, so okay, something that. Something comfortable, luxury, something that will go well with the fishes under the sea. I think. All right, well, I got, I've, I've got, I've got one for that. We didn't get effects. I'm, I, I'm gonna. Um, so I'll, I'll live without my Lexicon 224. I may drown myself there, but, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Okay, so what I'm, gonna, what I'm gonna, we hold no responsibility for BT's <laughs> drowning. You got me excited, and you brought me up, you brought me down. This is like a roller coaster ride. Okay, so, um, so I'm going to pick, um, I'm gonna pick an uplift desk because I like to stand some when I work, uh, and, um, nice. and. You know, because I do such long hours at times, and I have for you know better part of twenty years, um, uh, I like to be able to stand when I'm working. So I'm going to pick um, an uplift desk. Are they those mot- motorized desks where you can just press a button and it comes? They are. Yes, yes, I've seen those. Yep, yeah. It's like a. It's like um, it looks sort of like a draft table. Yes. And um, I hate to sound like a parent here. But when, you know, the ergonomics of uh, your workspace is really important if you want to do it for a long time. And so I'm going to pick an uplift desk because it's good for you to get up every now and again. And um, you, we forget to when you're like really in flow, you forget to get up and move around. And, you know, I've been known to sit there for 12 yeah. hours. So sometimes I'll just put my desk up and stand for, you know, because that's better for you. So there you go. That's my pick. Okay, well, so Will, do you want to run us down the the, the full list, the location, p- make us picture oh, it? I love it. We're in the Maldives, uh, in a room underwater, with a Mac Pro rack mounted, one point five terabytes of RAM, because you know you need all that. Fifty terabytes of storage, Logic Pro X. Your interface is a Lynx Aurora N for more focused bass and better imaging. You have in your studio, the speakers are ATC SCM 25A three-way midfields. You have on that computer, you're running C-Sound. You have near the computer, presumably, but not too near because you want to be able to walk around and see the fish, a Rev2 Jupiter 8. You're recording vocalists and any other, I guess it'll have to be marine wildlife with a blue bottle with a b6 capsule <laughs> uh, you have a vintage arp 2600 using the ring mod and spring reverb for your effects so you do have some effects and you have a fairlight cmi series 3 for your sampling needs mm-hmm. and an uplift desk to make sure that you can work out those legs and glutes yeah, obviously. obviously nice that sounds pretty good though Despite not having the lexicon, that's pretty good. That's a pretty sweet studio. I can picture the music that would come out of that space. See, now, you guys have done something fairly naughty in a way. Like, I might need to actually do this. Like, I might need to actually make this happen. There's a feature in Music Tech Magazine for that, yeah. Yeah, I can picture that in my head, and I can picture the music that would come out of that space and how inspiring that would be to sit and look at fish all day and have a fair light and a Jupiter 8 there. We should get in touch with those guys that have those underwater rooms, though, and see if we, if we could build a temporary one and make something. That would be a cool feature to see. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, imagine photographing that. It would be so beautiful underwater. We'd have to get BT into it. And yeah. then we wa- I want to hear the music that comes out of it. Do you have a sense? You, you can hear it in your head, BT. Can you tell us what you're hearing? Oh, quite literally. Oh, just be a kind of... So, because we got C-Sound there too, I'm picturing something that is in this the style of um, the my This Binary Universe type records, like really interesting, detailed kind of... I, I don't know what people call it now, but sort of IDM, sort of, you know, um, uh, yeah. down-tempo, chill kind of stuff, but with a little yeah. bit of an 80s-esque slant to it because mm-hmm. we've got the Fairlight, yeah. we've got the Jupiter 8 there, the, the ARP 2600. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of chilled, down-tempo, IDM, uh, beautiful. Retro fishcore, yeah. There you go. Atmospheric, you know. Kind of sci-fi element to it. I'm hearing like a kind of underwater sci-fi thing. Oh, yeah. Like, because underwater feels a bit space-like, anyway, doesn't it? It does. So it's, it's like it's got that kind of same yeah. vibe. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that might need nice. to happen. Yeah, we might need to do this. Amazing. That could happen. Lovely. Well, thank you, BT. All that's left to say is thank you so much for joining us. We know it takes it takes up time, and uh, yeah, everybody stay safe. How, how has lockdown been treating you? Have you been okay? I guess you're you're in the wilderness. We're so- we're we're good, and thankfully, our family and friends are okay. We've had a bunch of friends that have been sick but everyone has uh done well with it so far and we're good. we're good um we're uh both my wife and I are very introverted you wouldn't know it um but so it's been a time of of uh, a mm. lot of you know uh, a lot of creativity That's so it's hear. been uh, good in in many ways so yeah yeah thanks very for asking well, good. I hope you guys too no worries. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're fine. And and, and if you're ever visiting uh, my town of Bath, uh, do let me do let me know. And, we'll uh, do. Yeah. We'll go on a we'll go on a synth nerd fest. I would love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm overdue. Yeah. I've got friends there. Yeah. Yes. Let's do that for sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. Nice one. If you're enjoying the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast, make sure you subscribe using your favorite podcasting app and even rate the podcast, but only if you like it, of course. We'll be back next Tuesday with Dutch DJ and producer Mason of Exceder fame. That's right. Will the exceedingly nice Dutch DJ choose to dance, shake and move his way towards a hardware or software-based studio? Find out next week. Perfect. Thanks again for listening and catch you next time.